and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 435. We are talking about the second issue of the Jeffrey Thorne uh, Green Lantern series out of uh, Infinite Frontier tonight. And we'll talk a little bit of uh, what has been going on in the world of Marvel, uh, specifically the MCU, over the uh, past week or so since the last episode um but first things first let's uh let's jump into uh, green lantern number two yes we shall do that i'm going to try to be succinct about this i think we have this this issue naturally leads itself more to discussing it than breaking down the elements of it because the story is not it's pretty it's pretty straightforward so i'm going to try to be succinct and then and then we'll we'll add stuff in in the overall discussion so this issue is titled death is a door jeffrey thorne writer Dexter Story and Marco Santucci art, Alex Sinclair colors, Rob Lee letters, Bernard Chang and Alex Sinclair did the cover, Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair did the variant, Bixie Mathau, assistant editor, Mike Cotton editor, and Jamie S. Rich, group editor. The issue begins with Jon Stewart essentially giving a basic recap of what we, what we saw happen last week, last episode, I should say, uh, this last issue review episode, Hamana Hamana. Under the under the premise of for those lanterns that actually were not on Oa when this happened, the very few, and he fills them in about the terrorist attack and that they have the you know, the, the the magic users are you know were were cap were captured and and then they kind of get to the point of the uh, you know the uh, the guardian you know the guardian being killed. You have a little action scene with this with this magic magic dragon basically that they have to they they have to deal with and eventually they kind of. Which is something I think we've seen before. It's like, especially if you're dealing with something that has a yellow weakness too, that if you can't beat it with your ring, you basically use the ring to do to use other things to like almost like projecting it, and so you're not really going yellow against green. So they do the same thing because their rings were not working against magic. So they kind of encase they use Kilowog uses his ring to encase this dragon in stone. They talk about the you know, the, guard, the guardian the guardian being killed. So we kind of have a funeral for a guardian in this and. Get a whole lot of bloviation from the female guardian, and we'll talk about this too, since it contracts a contrast pretty dramatically with the Mia Culpa guardian uh, who got shot. <laughs> the Mia Culpa guardian from last week, from last episode uh, for this title, and basically they but they put the body of the guardian inside, basically to inter and tomb. But you have to assume whoever shot the Guardian knows this as this story plays out. They must know that this is what the Guardians of the Universe do on the rare occasion that a Guardian actually dies. But you have the female Guardian. Her name is uh, Nemesini. And she talks about, oh, you know, 
you know, she'll see her brother again. And then she drops the big bomb of the issue when they pretty much they they tell us that in order to ba- to essentially appease the United Planets and to kind of like a, almost like an act of good faith, they're giving up jurisdiction in twelve hundred sectors. So from thirty six hundred, they're dropping down to twenty four hundred. So a whole bunch of whole bunch of lanterns are reassigned. If you don't have a sector, you're going to be reassigned. Uh, certain lanterns are put on quest and we find out what that is. Certain writers are, certain lanterns are put on outrider status. So it's basically like muscle and just going wherever, the, wherever there's a problem and all lanterns pretty much are whatever rank they had previously, whatever status they had previously was all stripped away in one, in one fell swoop. And we're going to talk about that too. Salak is the one who is, as douchey as Salak is, I felt bad for him that he basically got stripped of his uh, Clarice. Not to be confused with Khaleesi, uh, his number two status uh, in the core, uh, being the architect and in charge of everything. He more or less below the Guardians. That status has been removed along with Torchbearer and Honor Guard and everything else that we've come to uh, come to know and arguably love. Certainly, certainly in some cases, this goes over exactly how you figure would go over like nobody's happy. Everybody's pissed, regardless of every, everything they did. Uh, John's not too happy with it either. The guardians, you know, the female guardian just pretty much acts like, Hey, you know, they can do whatever they want. And if you guys want to leave, leave. I mean, when he's in there, she's explaining this to John Stewart. There's always like a, it's always not an obligation. There's always an option. If people don't, if people don't want to leave and people don't want to stay, they can leave. They, the voluntary organization is how it's actually phrased. We find, we find out that, uh, you know, the outriders, you know, of course, the explanation, they're going to be bodyguards, military escorts, things like that. And there's a sec, you know, there's a, they explain the crux world, which is arguably whether you, whether you like it or not, it's arguably the more interesting development in this issue that supposedly every universe has seven crux worlds. And our universe only has five left because Krypton was one, which makes sense. Zanshi was another. I don't know if that makes sense other than to tie John and the Guardians together and have that correlation. But basically, we're down to Crux Worlds, which is one of the reasons why protecting the five that we have left. And Earth is like the, you know, the the world, the crux of heroes, as it's as it's described. That's why all, you know, the heavy hitters of the Green Lantern Corps who were not on our last issue were sent to protect the, the so-called Crux Worlds. Now we get into something we've kind of seen before with the lost sectors and however you want to describe. But now there, now there's dark sectors where the Guardians really can't uh, they can't read threads of hyper time eruption, supposedly preventing them from being able to understand what's going on here and know what's going on. So essentially, a lot of the lanterns that basically are sectorless, including John, if he accepts and he does, were assigned to go to go check out these dark sectors. So they make this giant spaceship and. It's funny. They take they take they take away everybody's responsibility, but John's quest leader. So I guess everybody's not really equal except for the lanterns. They don't want to be. Uh, they don't want to be just one of the group. Those lanterns don't yeah, have a little privilege. And that's more I'm coming from, I think, from from Thorne's perspective than than a shot at the Guardians themselves. There's enough reasons to always take shots at the Guardians. So John and it's John and his uh, questers get us, you know, construct a spaceship. They, they fly off and. They fly off into space. Kelly's still with Simon. And if, but before John goes, he makes sure and kind of says, Hey, you know, Simon's looking after you. You try to look after him. Kelly, you know, cops the attitude about they're not taking the gauntlet off my hand. Yada, yada. The, you know, the ship leaves. Simon, 
Simon's not really paying as much attention as Kelly. So Kelly goes, you know, what's wrong with the battery? And then we had the massive explosion of the, of the central power battery on Oa and the repercussions throughout the universe. Now, I know you're muted at the moment, so I'll give you time to unmute because I have a question for you. Do we know who the the guy dressed in orange and like the Mobius chair is? Are we supposed uh, to know who he is? I'm not on that page. I'm trying to get there digitally, so I don't have my physical copy yet. Is it, a, is it at the explosion? It's the next page after the explosion. Uh, I don't know. I will answer that once I get there. You know how long it takes to page through this crap. Okay. Because uh, I'm going to assume – I assume no, but I don't necessarily <laughs> know. If we're, a lot of the other people we do know, so that's why I wasn't – I'm not really sure. So we have the reaction of the – everyone reacting throughout the universe of OAB of the central power battery being destroyed – and we have the grand entrance of Joe, who basically, of course, we, Joe and Kelly are like the only two lanterns on Oa whose rings are still working. Simon's is alive, damaged, but alive. Kelly, is, it looks like Kelly saved him. And we have the uh, the final splash page where Joe meets Kelly. And next issue, Lanterns Lost begins. Uh, I don't believe we know who he is, but obviously the, the go-to answer is Metron. Yeah, I assumed we didn't know who he was either, because I kind of assumed he had a hand in this, even though you could it's ar- it's arguable that he's just that he's just so objective about it or or not necessarily objective, but that he he's so removed from the actual event that he can speak the way he does, saying that, uh, oh, you know, this is mercy, though. You don't know it. And that's essentially the, the gist of the of the main story. So you want me to you want me to give my thoughts first? <laughs> I, try- I mean, yeah, well, you you know, I've got a list of stuff I read. Yeah, you got a list so you, I know related to the you might, you know, you might as well. Yeah, related to the sectors and and different and different things. All right, so for, first first off with this, I understand it's kind of seemingly it's for a reason, but the contrast between the mea culpa of the guardians in issue one and the typical guardian attitude bullshit. I don't we don't give a shit how this comes across. We're doing it. I thought that was pretty stark. Pretty stark. And I'm pretty arrogant, too, because they assume that at the end of the day, the Guardians wouldn't I mean, the, the Lanterns wouldn't walk away, even though they're all so many of them are kind of getting flipped the bird here, let alone the concept of giving up 1200 sectors just for the sake of like a, an, an olive branch. And we'll I'll talk more about that with the United Planets stuff. Um, clearly, I mean, we know I'm not a fan of that idea, just generally speaking, even if it wasn't tied to Legion, I'm not a fan of it. But. So that that bothered me. The stripping away of all everybody's title. The, honestly, the thing that bothered me the most, and this is for you, Kyle fans, was the whole torchbearer thing. Because technically speaking, torchbearer is not really a title you really can just throw at somebody and take away. He's torchbearer for a reason. He's torchbearer because he was the last Green Lantern. He's torchbearer because he carried the essence, the essences of the Guardians in his ring, even though he didn't know it at the time. And he's the torchbearer because theoretically, depending on, again, how you interpret that line in the Ion miniseries, he can do he could do it again under the, under the proper circumstances. That's why he's the torchbearer. So that's not something. You know, if you're a Kyle fan and you really took that personally on this one, I'm 100 percent with you because that seemed that that seemed a bit much. That's not that's not like the Clarice and the honor guard and all, which is still bullshit to take it away. But. That's much more of a something that can be taken away because it's just a title. Torchbearer is not a title. It it there's a it's based on action. It's based on why you're you know he was the last of the line. He was the only one carrying the Green Lantern legacy forward. That's why he was the torchbearer. Plus, it happened in the past, so it's like rewriting history to try to t- 
take it away to a certain extent. So I'm not a, not a fan of that. I don't know. I just I just think that this is going exactly where I thought it was going to go, which really has not a great deal of, of, of interest for me. I think this I think for the I suspect for the, the the peak issue of this book is going to be number one out of the next like however many issues this this Lost Lanterns, whatever, Last Lanterns, Lost Lanterns. Like we've heard that before anyway, uh, that that term that. I don't I don't think this book is going to do much for me. And the and, and the focusing on Kelly and Joe and Simon, especially, it's just not, you know, it's just not doesn't have much of an interest for me. And the, the, those those are pretty much my my initial thoughts. OK, um, so uh, Sayonaro Dexter Soy. Um, <laughs> you was... beat my expectation. Man. <laughs> Actually, you. My over and under on you mentioning Dexter Soy was like 20 minutes, but to be fair, I figured the recap would be less than 10. But I, but the fact that you jumped into it so fast, you even surprised me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so this is the last issue that we'll have Dexter Soy. Uh, do we know if it's the last issue we'll have the other artist that was helping Dexter? I don't think so. I don't think we know. Marco Santucci? Sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. And I got to be honest with you, not, I, I don't think the art in this book was that fantastic compared to the other Dexter Soy stuff. I think this is the worst of the, of the issues we've seen the Dexter Soy has done art for. I mean, the Guardians look great and there are a few panels that look great, but Kelly still looks weird and she, he can't draw, draw Joe for anything. So, but yeah, I just, I know before, not to ruin your Dexter Soy tangent, but I don't think this was the best example of, I know you love him so much, but I don't think this is the best example of, what he what he has done with Green Lantern characters compared to the, you know, the future, the Infinite Frontier and or future, yeah, Infinite Future State, Infinite Frontier and or, yeah. Um. Uh. So I think it's interesting. So everybody knows uh, who listens to the show. I don't. I'm already was not a fan of the idea that we're going to destroy the battery. You know, I've said it again and again and again. I do not like the um, the concept of telling yet another story of depowered lanterns. Um, something is wrong with the battery. All the lanterns are left without power. What do they do? I'm done with that. We've been all, all over hell and back with that. But uh, at the same time, you know, shit happens. New readers come in and they've never experienced those types of stories before. So whatever that's the story he wants to tell. That's the story he's going to tell. And there's some people who've never experienced it before. So whatever, we'll go from there. But then to add on to it, that before pages, before we blow up the battery, we're going to, we're going to neuter the core by a third. It's like, really? <laughs> wow. Okay. It kind of sucks. But uh, so it kind of felt like a, an additional slap in the face. Like not only are we going to be depower them, but pages before we depower them, we're, we're going to uh, seed, seed some of our territory here. So that's kind of whatever. Um, but um, within the confines of the story that Dexter's or, or that uh, Jeffrey Thorne is telling, I guess that makes sense. Um, it's an interesting play. We'll see how it goes. I think it's also interesting in the fact that, of course, we have, um, you know, the United Planets taking hold and everything that's happening there. Uh, they already said in issue one that they have their own, you know, police force or some plans for that. 
so that uh, the vote that took place in the first issue is going to have nothing to do with the vote that took place there in terms of it was more about do we allow OA into the United Planets, not do we allow the Green Lantern Corps to be our peacekeepers. That's not what that was. Um, so I guess it makes sense um, that if if they're going to be their own um, protectors, then uh, it would make sense, I guess, for the Lanterns to step aside in, in some way, shape or form. So, OK, whatever. It's interesting, though, that there that the it seems like this is not the while it's a secession that the Guardians are making on behalf of the United Planets. It seems interesting that the United Planets is sort of recognizing that the Guardians are playing ball and being happy about it in the fact that they're allowing these outriders. Um, so for everybody who you know didn't wasn't aware, basically the outriders are lanterns who are helping the United Planet Brigade forces. Uh, it's they're like military escort. They're bodyguards they're basically do there to help if needed um or do some it's very vague but it's it's uh defined as other duties and maybe necessary uh, as necessary uh, assigned to them by the the united planets so i guess we'll see what that means um or maybe not since the lanterns don't have power so maybe maybe the up is like well why the hell do we need you um the other thing I would say, let's see. The other thing I would say is I see what you say about the juxtaposition of the Guardians, uh, the the portrayal there. But once she gets John behind closed doors, it really doesn't seem like they're being rude. They're just being the um, emotionless Guardians we know that they usually are. So, you know, kind of the we're not really sure uh, what their what their um, feelings about any one thing are supposed to be, but you know, it just comes across as blunt and rude and uh, arrogant in some way, just kind of like the guardians we know and love. Um, but it didn't really hit me that wrong because it seemed like as she was explaining things, both the reader and John were like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. We may not like, like it, but at least it makes sense. I guess I, I, but it, it rings hollow to me because of the fact that, they're telling you that now trying to, you know, equality uh, or equity. Uh, but at the same time, we know that's not true because they're treating they are treating John differently. John's still a leader, no matter how we do it. And we're also being and the other characters they're putting in position of being special. Almost all of them don't deserve that based on where they come from. Joe has done nothing with the core, period, up to this point. Kelly's not even a Green Lantern. She's a friggin' 11 year old kid who has like an atomic bomb strapped to her wrist and the, the guardians will have no qualms with just not doing what's necessary to take it off her. And then there's Simon who other than, other than Dan and maybe five people out there, nobody likes and certainly has done nothing to be deserve being special. So it conceptually trying to put, to eliminate some of these uh, factions or this infighting, even though it's, you know, obviously Simon is kind of prone to being jealous regardless. I mean, he, but the, so maybe that, that kind of thing is what they were trying to do away with and prevent from happening going forward. But we also know whether it's the guardians, whether it's Thorn, whether it's editorial, whether it's a combination of Thorn and editorial, we know this is also being done mm-hmm. to put the lanterns they want to focus in on in, 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 you know, under the microscope. And they're still quote unquote special. 
they're just special for different reasons at the moment. But so I, I, I see the hypocrisy more of it. And I don't. And again, the Kyle thing bothered me the most. Yeah, the honor guards, are, you know, comes and goes. Your people, you're a member, you're not a member. That's not a big friggin' deal. But the, the besides the fact that they left, they left Kyle technically dying in space because the fact that when they show Kyle on this issue in the path to the power battery, that he's literally in space when his ring goes dead or almost goes dead because he's still wearing his uniform. Yeah, I, that bothered that bothered me because that's something that Kyle should always Kyle should always be special because he is special for that reason. He doesn't have to be, you know, not he doesn't have to be special the way every single Kyle fan, not every, that's an exaggeration, but so many Kyle fans want him to be just because he used to be the only one and he has to have a unique position because of when there was a time when he was the only one. Now, he deserves recognition and from the torchbearer perspective, that is one thing that he could ne- should never be able to be taken away because it was that he did that. He accomplished he accomplished or had this thrust upon him and he succeeded and he kept the Green Lantern line alive. Everything was kept alive. And, and it was by his choice, too, to return the power and to rec- bring bring the Guardians back. So everything about being Torchbearer was based on what he did, what he survived, you know, what he was able to accomplish. And theoretically, again, depending on your interpretation in that Ion book, that he could do it again under the right circumstances that he could bring the guardians back if they got wiped out again, whether you believe it, he, he has to have eye on an entity back in him to do it or not. The point is he was told he could do it again. So the reality is that's alone, which should make him a special and still torchbearer because he has something unique in him that others don't. All right. You want me to move on to all the stuff I found? Sure. All right, guys. Uh, so in this issue, we hear uh, three things come from the rings in terms of, lantern assignments we hear uh, things about what sectors are defunct uh what lanterns are being assigned to quest and what lanterns are being assigned to outrider we have already discussed what the outrider status is so i might as well talk to you about uh the out the people who are listed in this issue as assigned to outrider first uh, I found uh, two unknown lanterns. I couldn't find anything on them, so I'll just list their names. Uh, Yatimo, Y-T-I-M-O, and Alvix, A-L-V-I-X. Don't know anything about those. I looked them up, tried a couple of pages worth of Google results, a couple of different combinations of keywords, couldn't find anything. Uh, of course, Guy Gardner uh, is assigned to Outrider, but let's be sensible here uh, i mean it'd be cool to probably see him out in deep space uh with john but at the same time if someone's supposed to be you know back up <laughs> you know uh step in when things get intense uh, and you know especially especially working with the supposed to work with the united planets a hothead like guy gardner that's going to make things interesting um some people were we should know Bashi. Do you remember who Bashi is? Is a simian like lantern. Looks like a monkey. A monkey, not an ape. Yeah, I know. I, I, that's what I was processing. Not 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 the Sinestro, not the ex Sinestro core member. No. Uh, what was that? Great ape or whatever it was? Mm, off the top of my head, no, that's not ringing a bell to me. She was she after she because historically, now obviously this is a new continuity and stuff like that, so who the hell knows? She's supposed to be dead, all right? In the the comic history that we know, she's supposed to be dead. 
she recruited Ashpat Glyph. Oh, okay. Who recruited Bashi? Raker Karagat. Oh, Raker Karagat. So, so she is from Sector 312. Uh, Sector 312 contains Krolatea in terms of notable planets. Obviously, you know, with the Raker Karagat stuff, you, you would say, but Chad, wouldn't it also contain Apocalypse? Apocalypse moves, so no. Apocalypse does move, right? I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm not confusing it with War World because War World definitely moves, but I'm pretty sure Apocalypse I, does. I think you're right. I mean, again, don't quote me on it because I could give two pounds of monkey crap about the new gods, generally speaking. But I think I think you are correct. Think. Yeah. All right. So the uh, last lantern that we see specifically assigned to Outrider status is Lantern Larvox, um, who is from Sector 17. Sector 17 contains the planet of Garnet. Garnet is the homeworld of Jack T. Chance. Yep, I knew it sounded familiar. So something to, to note, uh, the reason I'm mentioning the sector these lanterns are from who are assigned to these various status, I asked Jeffrey Thorne on Twitter, but he hasn't responded, so I don't know. But I would assume that if a lantern has been reassigned, their sector is defunct. That would make sense to me because now obviously they don't mention here every sector that's defunct. And then, you know, you know, it's, it's not like, Hey, and this is, this is something we'll talk about here in a second. Sector seven, two, nine defunct. And then lantern RRU set nine, two assigned a quest. That is the only mention in terms of those little bubbles that matches up. Because Lantern RRU92 is from Sector 279. But otherwise, when it says a sector is defunct, it doesn't also say in one of the other narrative bubbles the Lantern from that sector. Just as an FYI. You're getting on the page snippets of all these assignments just to give you the idea that this there's a lot of information in happening at this particular moment on the page. Uh so the reason I'm mentioning the sector of Bashi and of Larvox is because I'm assuming that Sector 312 and Sector 17 are both also defunct. Um, that would make sense, I would assume. Do you have anything that would maybe counter that? Not off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, so the reason I mentioned Sector 279 is because, as I said, it's the only one that is mentioned by Sector and then by the Lantern that was assigned to that Sector. Uh, Lantern RRU92 is assigned to Quest. Uh, he, let me see, I'm going to send you a link here, Mark, just so you can familiarize yourself with him a little bit. He is one of the robot lanterns in the core. He is not, it's not Stell. It's not like they're replacing Stell. It's just yet another robot like Lantern uh, in the core. Um, and he is being reassigned. He's interesting, though, because uh, he is. He was part of an arc, and I didn't read all of this, um, but he was uh, part of a uh, an arc during, I think, Guy Gardner Warrior? Yeah, Guy Gardner. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Yesterday's Sins storyline. Um, I don't remember if I – I know I, like, poked around a little bit in the Guy Gardner series. Did you ever read it fully? I never read it fully, no. I only have a – I have a select few issues of Gardner before it became Warrior, and then I have a lot of the issues – I have a lot of the issues from the Kyle era, and I do have. A, I was able to pick up some of the Emerald Fallout issues after the fact. Um, yeah, I almost have a full run of Guy. Told you that I finished uh, this the Spectre stuff the other the other month. 
Um, I almost have a full run of guy. But yeah, uh, if you if you are curious about Lantern RRU92, he is um, in the Yesterday Sins storyline in the Guy Gardner series. Um, Quest, because uh, uh, Lantern RRU92 is assigned to Quest. The Quest, let's explain what that is a little better. The Dark Sectors, suddenly the Guardians can't see into them sections of space i wasn't clear to me whether it was random sections of space or just this big clump of space um but going from the stuff that happened with teen lantern riding mogo into the dark sectors i think it feels like it's a clump of space rather than i assume too yeah but for various reasons whether it's hyper time or the bleed leaking through something i've never heard of that they say under space cyclones but regardless, these are recent barriers. So what's interesting is they didn't note anything about the space sector because they say they're recent barriers, but they don't say anything like suddenly. Uh, so like the dark sectors are specifically sector blah, 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 or the planet. We can no longer see the planet blah, 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 blah that we were looking into. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see there. But Sector uh, lanterns who were assigned to uh, quest Kilowog. Kilowog, of course, uh, is sector six seven four. His home planet was destroyed. We all know he was core trainer. So it's uncl- I, I do not know if he was still technically assigned sector six seven four. If he was, it's safe to assume six seven four is now listed as one of the ones who are defunct. Uh, Amanita from sector three one zero zero. Um, Amanita is the mushroom-headed lantern. If you guys are, uh, because in terms of all the the lanterns on this list, other than of course Salak and Kilowog and stuff like that, it feels like Larvox and Amanita are like some of the ones you recognize just if not by name by description. You're like, oh yeah, I see them in background panels all the time. Like uh, like Metaphil, you see Metaphil all the time. Um, so safe to assume three one zero zero is defunct. What's interesting here is this next list. John Stewart, of course, 2814. Uh, he, he's from a Crux world. Uh, he is uh, he is quest leader. Salek, 1418. And he is core administrator. Sector 1418, probably off the table, probably defunct. Nort, sectors... Uh, the sectors that Nort has been a part of varies. He has been part of uh, 2112, that's his main sector, uh, Sector 68, Sector 69, and then Sector 2814 when he was on Earth. Uh, I would assume, based on those listed, uh, his home sector is probably where he's currently assigned in current continuity, so probably safe to assume 2112 is also defunct. Now, if you didn't get it already, listeners, I have mentioned Kilowog. I have mentioned John Stewart, Salak, and Nort. I'm about to mention another lantern, or rather another name, that has been named alongside that same group of people very recently. Bilu Kens is assigned to Quest. Mark, if you didn't pick up on the pattern, do you know who Bilu Kens is? I'm drawing a blank as we speak, but... So the pattern I'm talking about, the last time we saw the characters of Jon Stewart, Salak, Nort, and Kilowog in a book together was Future State, the Jon Stewart story. Bilu Kens is the woman who is coordinating things from the sky with Jon Stewart on the radio during 
the future state story written by Jeffrey Thorne. Oh, the one, the chick in the ship. Yep. Bilu Kens is not listed anywhere online as a lantern. She is not listed anywhere as a part of a sector or core. She only shows up in Google results specifically related to future state. So apparently she was a former lantern alongside John, Salak, and Nort. So there is your future state tie-in and how that team of Nort, Salak, John, uh, and Bilu got together. So that's interesting to me. That was an interesting tie-in. Um, P.S., by the way, guys, Jeffrey Thorne tweeted the other day that the GL future state story that he wrote takes place 14 years from now. Just FYI, he gave us an actual timeline. Um, Crux Worlds, something interesting to talk about here. Mogo is a Crux World. And who is assigned to protect Mogo? Mogo, <laughs> apparently. That's interesting. Look how unfair that is, man. <laughs> Earth is a Crux World. Earth is assigned to Hal Jordan. I like that. That's cool. Um, what's interesting there is the question then comes, is 2814 defunct or is it defunct with the uh, condition that the Guardians get to keep a special eye on Earth because it is a crux world? Or is 2814 just still open for business and how Jordan is protecting Earth, but also 2814? I would say it's still it's still open for business. I don't right. think they'd give up two eight from two eight one four from mul- from multiple reasons. Plus, it's important enough if they were gonna if they were gonna during during the whole listing of things that are fire sailed, I think they would have they would have mentioned two eight one four for the re- because it was so relevant. True, true. All right. Um. So Jessica Cruz is assigned to the crux world of Oashia. I've looked that up. Can't find anything. Don't know what that is. Uh, it is a planet, of course. Uh, it is one of the five crux worlds. Um, Kyle Rayner. Now, you mentioned it's interesting that he loses power. We think he's dying in space. Ragashoon. Ragashoon is not a planet. Ragashoon is a city on the planet Rashashoon. This is in Sector 2828, also known as Vega. It appears in comic history... Ragashun slash Rashashun has appeared before in comics. Where, you ask? The original Omega Men series, issues 11 and 12. And then mentioned a couple of the times later on in the series. That is interesting that Kyle Rayner is headed to Vega and the planet that he is uh, going to has appeared in DC history, specifically in a title called Omega Men. When was the last time we saw Kyle Rayner in his own story? Omega Men. Uh, so that that is in that is something interesting to keep an eye on. Another Crux World. Oa. We don't know who's protecting Oa, except I think we do, because Simon Simon's bubble says that he is assigned to the science cells on Oa. But later on, John, one of the questions that John asked the Guardians when he's kind of interrogating them about everything that that they have just announced. He's like, okay, great. Hal is assigned to Earth, but what about, you know, Kyle and Jessica and Simon? Do you expect them to live out their lives on these other worlds? Uh, And they specifically mentioned Simon. I think Simon is assigned to the science cells, and because he's already there, he's also assigned to Oa. They don't specifically say that, but to me, that would make sense. I don't know what you think about that. Great call, Guardians. Great call. (laughs) 
<laughs> was there was there no one left available? <laughs> you're probably you're probably correct, but I, so, I, I don't know. So Krypton destroyed, Zanshi destroyed. Um, so if Baz is assigned to the science cells, then one has to ask, what about Vaz? Vaz is from Sector 571. And is Vaz alive or dead? If he's alive, I'm assuming Vaz has been reassigned. And Sector 571, you can list among the uh, defunct sectors if you're keeping track. Mm, maybe. I see where you're going with it. I'm not necessarily sure if there's a natural correlation, if there's a, an axiom that it has to be. Because don't forget, every sector technically has two lanterns. True. So it does just be... So and and since they were doing this tiered system of whether it's Morrow, whether it's you know Vaz, that it doesn't mean that you that the the other lantern from that sector still wasn't patrolling the sector. That's it. Yeah, I I completely forgot about Vaz. He's another one who who, who would seemingly have gotten the boot, gotten shafted in this deal. Uh, not as bad as Salak because maybe well, he, I think Vaz liked his work, so it it would kind of suck. And you know, it, like if Morrow got the boot from you know from the crypt and other things too, it's like well, yeah. It's like if you like your job and you and and you take pride in it and having that job and they rip it away from you that no matter doesn't matter whether seventy five percent of the other people lanterns out there wouldn't want the job if you're it means something to you so so if uh, Jeffrey Thorne answers my question on Twitter I'll let you guys know but basically I asked him does someone being assigned to Quest and or Outrider mean necessarily that their sector is defunct. To me, it would seem that's the case. Um, other than Earth, right? Other than other than, other than Earth. Two eight one four, yeah. Other than right. Two eight one four. It also brings up to me an interesting question: Does membership in the United Planets mean your sector? Like, how does that work? Is what I'm asking. So, if you become a member of the UP, the UP has their own peacekeeping force. Do you then get to choose for your sector? along any other worlds in your sector that might be also be a part of the UN or the UP, uh, who protects your sector, whether it be uh, the UP brigade or, um, or the lanterns. Do you get to say only my planet? Like I'm basically I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we're trying to word this. Like who has jurisdiction? Yeah. Who has jurisdiction? If, in that sector, if one of the planets or more than one planet in that sector is part of the UP, but other planets are not, does membership in the UP for a planet necessarily mean that that sector is defunct then? No, I don't think so. I don't No, I don't think so. I didn't ask him that because that's that's kind of a stretch to go there. But the reason I want to ask it is because if that is the case, then we can also kind of make a bigger dent in the kind of mental map I'm mapping out here of what lanterns um, what lanterns and what what lanterns are defunct and then if we know what or what sectors are defunct and if we know what sectors are defunct then I can go into sector information and figure out what planets that means because we got all those planets mentioned that are part of the U, uh, UP in that first issue so if I know you know that you know, say New Corgars and whatever sector, then and I know they're part of the UP, and then if I know that that means that that whole sector is now defunct, then I can check what other planets fall in that sector, and kind of make a bigger map of what falls under UP jurisdiction and what falls under gu- uh, Guardian jurisdiction. 
I think it will figure that out. Um, it's it's interesting too with especially the Outrider, the ship that they were riding. Were they building that, or is that just a massive collective construct? It looks like a massive construct that they're they're all feeding into, which we have seen before. But did they also just use their collective power to build a green ship? Yeah, that is that is somewhat conflicting. In the beginning, it looks absolutely it looks absolutely like a construct, and then as they're heading out into space, it looks like it's solid. Yeah. So it, they may it may have been some. It may have been to show the construction, you know, them using their rings to build it. But so that's probably the answer based on what it looked like. Plus, let's be honest, if it was all a construct, they pretty much would be dead. Yeah. I'm going to try and look at the lanterns that we see in the background. Anytime we see anything going on with the people who are sound assigned uh, to quest um, so that we uh, that we can know, I guess, <laughs> excuse me, I guess quest or outrider kind of check the background for any recognizable faces so that I can then add to the list of defunct sectors. Cause the only time uh, basically guys, if I mentioned that a sector was defunct and didn't mention a planet that that sector contains like Garnett for Larvox's sector 17 or Crolotea for sector three, one, two, that's because there is no interesting information on what land, what planets are in that sector other than the home world of that, the, that, that particular lantern comes from. Crolotea particularly is, I think, the only interesting one because we've seen Crolotaeans in DC history before. But other than that, Garnet being uh, put under UP rule, I guess, makes sense. It doesn't really matter who rules that place. It's a hellhole of crime. It's a hive of scum and villainy. Anyways. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention as we get ready to as we start wrapping this issue up, that back to the whole... It's pretty safe to say that whatever was, you know, whatever was shot, the arrow that was shot to kill the guardian is basically what turned the guardian into a bomb. (laughs) So it makes you again, wonder the knowledge of whoever was behind all this. You would see, would seem they would understand guardian customs. That's how the guardian, not that we've ever seen this before. I don't believe that the idea that the guardians would inter the body, even if, even if it was to put the body into the central power battery to eventually just be absorbed and lose physical form because she kind of goes on about what another another part of the, of the issue about her with her arrogance is just saying oh we just take on physical form because we want to you know we may look like mammals but we're so she just she she does come across as douchey it doesn't really matter whether it's for whether they're doing it mostly to, to play to the crowd because they knew people were not going to like it and then behind the scenes they're a little little less douchey but again, you would assume somebody somebody understood that this is what the guardians do, and when, when they had to dispose of one of their bodies, so that's the, well. The, I mean, somebody is is irrelevant. It's 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 got to be somebody from Xerox. Well, probably not necessarily. It could be somebody working with them. I mean, I guess that uh, it just you, you would on that level you would need to have an you would need to have to do it the way they did it. It's not like they attacked the central power battery. It's not like they said it. It's not like they just said somebody stuck snuck inside and set a, a, a time bomb in there that it was essentially a time bomb. But it was a time bomb based on the fact that they knew this this body was going to be going inside the central power battery. They use the Guardian. They use the Guardian to blow up the Guardian's creation, which is pretty clever. But so that that I thought I thought I thought that was I thought that was interesting. And it again I still question the logic of tying so much of what's going on in DC across the board into the world of Legion. When not only is that so many, still so many 
years and down the road in the into the future that legion you may you may have a soft spot for legion there may be a, some people have a soft spot for legion legion is not a legion of superheroes ain't overly popular or else the book would never get canceled every time they start a new book it, it dies just like the new gods always die when it's not the you know it, it's they're not the most they may like the characters but the world of the of legion of superheroes that future is really doesn't appeal to the majority of i think of dc fans to set so to sort of steer dc's future so heavily in that in that direction that was the beauty of of the legion if you liked it it's so far ahead in the future you never have to worry about connecting the dots from today to then you never have to worry about it because it's thousands of years down the road or at least a thousand plus years down the road so you so you never had to deal with it now how how are they going to walk this back and they decide to go in a different direction you're going to tear down the united planets just so at some time in the future it starts again I guess you could, like the league, like the League of Nations giving leading towards uh, the United Nations, but it seems like it's it's almost it seems like a one way street you can't get away from now. I mean, it's so it's so far it's possible that you know, hey, we had this idea and we made mistakes and yeah, I mean, I I, I guess, but it's a, just but the whole idea. I mean, there's just there's so much that's changing in the in the hierarchy of the of the DCU and everything. It just seems like it's, it's odd to be tying it all into that potential future when it's not like everybody just loves this to death. And I mean, in a bottlenecks you, it bottlenecks you so much, at least for, for, for until you were, if you, even if you're going to steer away from this, and even if the plan is to steer away from this, they already know they're going to steer away from it. It bottlenecks you for a long time. And what you're going to do. And then the repercussions, I guess the repercussions could be somewhat interesting, but I mean, I would I would say uh, go watch Dan's videos about the Gold Lantern. Well, that's fu- I mean, the Gold Lantern might, might be interesting, but it doesn't mean that the del- well, del- well, I'm just saying that there's a there's a lot that Bendis has laid down in terms of story stuff tied that connects lanterns and uh, the, uh, the 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 Legion uh, lore and stuff. So this stuff isn't necessarily it's coming out of left field for people who haven't read some other corners of the DC universe for for Green Lantern readers. Um, But there have been ties suggested between uh, between Lantern and Legion lore um, in recent DC memory in other titles in a couple of different places. So. Well, yeah, the point isn't necessarily that it's coming out of left field. The point is whether it's a smart move to be to be connecting these yeah, things. So, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just saying I, I don't think it's smart because I don't think because, you know, it's I don't think Legion is overly popular. The Legion, the superhero, I mean, they, some individual characters people may know and like, but I don't think that future, that world, that world, you know, with a small W is that popular where you want to hit your wagon to it and, and pull it into the future. I don't care what Bendis is doing. Bendis has done a lot of stuff that is questionable. Uh, so, and self-serving based on stories he wants to tell. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I think this, I'm not overly as, as an issue from my wrap up, I guess on this as an issue, as a standalone issue, this is okay, but I don't like where it's taken us. And I suspect it's good. I suspect it's going to get worse, especially now we're going to be dealing with the depowered lanterns. And the question is for how long? Yeah. And that's the big, and that's going to make you jump ship real quick in your interest. If this is dragging on for five, six, seven issues like this. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, but it, we also already know that my interest is going to take a uh, well, I know besides the soy thing. Three, which, <laughs> well, it's not. Look, it's not just that Dexter Soy is leaving. It's who's replacing him. His style is not something th- like it's not that like, oh, we're losing Dexter Soy and another an artist with a different style, but another style I like. Oh, no, I just well, I prefer Dexter Soy. It's I actively dislike the style that Tom Rainey has. And again, you know, I've said this multiple times, but, you know, every, every episode could be someone's first. I don't have a problem, guys, with what with Tom Rainey's art in terms of uh, in terms of talent. For me, it's it's art is art. It's, it's subjective. If you look at a piece of art and don't like it, then that particular style doesn't appear to appeal to you. It's not the technicality of it. Oh, he did this line wrong or this person looks inconsistent or whatever. Tom Rainey stuff looks like Tom Rainey stuff and it's going to stay consistent and it does its own thing. But his style is not something that appeals to me as a whole. Yeah, you, 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 you don't like his art. It doesn't mean yeah. you're, you're not saying you're not making a trying to make a, deci- a, a conclusive statement that he's a shitty artist. Right. You're just making it clear that you don't like his art. And, and that's fine. I mean, and, and, and most people seemingly agree with you on this. So you're right. That yeah. that does not help the situation we're about to go into. Yeah. So it's going to suck. It's going to suck me out of it quick with the art. And then you already throw in that I'm not liking the idea of blowing up the battery yet again. So. But and it's interesting because in a way, depending how long this lasts, and I'm sure he has a reason for doing this, but it makes this whole restructuring of the Green Lantern Corps irrelevant because it, thanks to the thanks to what happened, there is no Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> now, I mean, so not the not the way you know it was. There's no they may the majority of the core members may majority may still be alive, but they're not going to be patrolling shit because they don't have Green Lantern rings. So. Yeah. Um. Uh, DC DC Comics uh, stopped uh, stopped showing the upcoming the already solicited titles for their for their series because yeah, usually used used to be you could go to DCComics.com right I mean I can click on the comics section see the comics out this week click on the comic that takes me to the series and then I can just scroll underneath the individual issue I could scroll through and see the other comics in the series. It used to show the image, the, the cover image and solicit text for upcoming issues that have already been solicited. Now it only shows what's available. Probably a glitch. No, I don't think so. That looks like temp, that looks like per, intentional coding. It'd be a glitch if like maybe some of the solicit text came out wrong or the image wasn't loading or something. But the entire any any anything that has been solicited ent- in, entirely is gone. So what's your theory on it then? Oh, I don't know. I, maybe they just they just did it on purpose. I don't I don't know why they would have, but yeah. Uh, ba- base, I, I, the only reason I figured it out is because I was trying to find the solicit text for Green Lantern three to read. But I guess uh, I don't want to spend too much time on. It. Anyways, uh, all right. Uh, what's next? All right, let's talk about the and that this came out Monday, right? Monday's when they when Marvel dropped the little sizzle reel. Yeah. With uh, kind of like paying an homage. To the movies in general, and we'll see you at the movies. Trying to bit, they're trying to essentially it was trying to build up interest towards going back to the theater and see movies. So most of it was at least at least half of it, if not more, was just showing scenes from previous MCU stuff, including some cool stuff, audience reaction for Endgame. But the inter- the two things of real interest in this was they gave us a more defined release schedule for movies and titles. 
And I guess we'll talk we'll talk about the eternal stuff ever so briefly in a second because there really isn't anything to talk about. Yeah. We've waited for a year and a half to see something from the Eternals and we essentially see the entire cast wearing street clothes. I mean, whoop de friggin' do. Uh but let's let's talk about uh let's talk about the release schedule. We already know Black Widow is July this year, July 9th, Shang Chi September third, Eternals November fifth, uh Spider Man No Way, No Way Home December seventeenth. Now, this is interesting that Doctor Strange and Thor seem to have flip-flopped. At one point, they flip-flopped because I know Thor originally, I think when Thor was originally supposed to come out before all the pandemic releases, it originally was a Valentine's Day, February release. And I think Doctor Strange was a March release at one point after it had gotten the first delay. But now, either way, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is a March 25th, 2022 release. Thor has moved into the May 6th, 2022 Love and Thunder into the May 6, 2022 release spot. Black Panther with a new title, Wakanda Forever, is July 8, 2022. And the Marvels, which otherwise known as Captain Marvel 2, is November 11, 2022. So we have four actual releases next next year. Now, That's awesome. What? That's awesome. Yeah, it is. I mean, we knew we were, we knew we had to get four. I mean, technically, we have four this year, too, if you, if you count Spider-Man. But I mean, when was the last time we had – I mean, I know, you know, the pandemic has really screwed with our perceptions of time. But when was the last time we had, like, a big Marvel release year like that? Um, well, we know we had three in 2018 because we had, we had Captain Marvel, Infinity War, and Ant-Man. Um, I'm trying to think if we – I don't know if we've ever had more than – Four must be the max. I don't know if we've had four before. And maybe with uh and we we had no hold on, I said Captain Marvel, I meant Black Panther for Infinity War. We had Captain Marvel, Endgame, and Spider-Man in twenty nineteen. So usually we're averaging about three. So we have four this year. We have four next year, which makes sense because of the fact they have to catch up. But we have four this year? Yeah, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Spider-Man. Oh, shit. I forgot Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man's the asterisk because it's Sony, but still. it's it, So we have four pretty and – all, and four which from July to December. So they're all sandwiched in together tightly. So once we get past the Marvels on November 11th, 2022, then we roll into the 2023 slate. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is the February 17th re- release. Guardian, funny because we just talked about this. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 actually has a release date, May 5th, 2023, which makes sense because Guardians probably, under different circumstances, you can make the case Guardians could have been the May release. Not that it would have been because of the pandemic, but it might have ended up being the May, <laughs> the 2020 May release if they had been able to, if they had not gone through the, the stuff with Gunn and he never had left. And then you had the big, probably the biggest the, not surprised, but the thing that made people the most excited about the announcements is that they actually showed the logo for Fantastic Four, though they did not give us a release date. Some people are speculating that means it won't be in, in phase four. I doubt it because they seemingly only showed us things that were going to be in phase four. And considering there's not that they only have release dates through May 5th of 2023 and you have the entire summer and the entire fall without a movie, I'm going to bet the Fantastic Four will finish out phase four. And that's what I, so that's, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting news. The titles were not surprising about the Marvels, whether you think they moved that away, whether you think they did that just to make it clear that it's going to feature Monica Rambeau and Ms. Marvel, 
or whether they wanted mm-hmm. whether it was a real effort to distance themselves a little bit just from Brie Larson, you know, as as the main interest in that movie. It's debatable, but it's but it's still interesting to note that they did change. They did change that title. Fantastic Four should be cool. So obviously in the near future, we should be getting some casting news about you would think about Fantastic Four. Maybe the long, you know, the long uh, brewing, simmering rumors of Krasinski and and uh, what's your face? Emily Blunt. Yes. Uh, Actually being cast as Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Richards there. You think they go uh, Doom or Galactus, or they do something weird like? You well, know, if so- they're really building towards Galactus, they can oh. hint at it, but I don't think they'll go there yet. And Doom, we don't. We, I mean, there's always a chance Doom can show up, and you know, whether it's in Black Panther or something else, Doom could show up. I, I don't know what they're gonna do. It's well, if you let me finish my sentence. <laughs> Chad, your ignorance slide. I was going to say, you think they do something weird because we have to remember. Not only are they bringing in uh, Fantastic Four, we have they have X Men back. So do you think they do something interesting, like maybe because of like the the love triangle or whatever, the interest that Namor has in Sue? Do you think they bring Namor somehow into it, and then Namor is like, because he's supposed to be like an early mutant, right? He's not one of the first, but he's supposed to be an early mutant, right? Yeah, but. They could do that, or Namor. Namor could be. They could introduce Namor and Black Panther, too. Uh, I, don't, I guess, yeah. Like it, a, it's hard. It's hard to know what they're gonna do. It really is. Uh, but it'll be interesting. It will be. I think v- people are pumped for Fantastic Four. I think. I so I. I don't have much doubt if they're actually showing you the logo. I don't. In that trailer, especially, I don't see why they'd be showing you that if it wasn't gonna be part of Phase Four. They just don't know. They just don't have a release date yet for it. Or they or they may have a release date. They're just not telling us what they're planning that, what they're what they're planning for. Because again, it's over two, you know, it's over two years down the road now. That whenever it's going to be. So they may not have to because clearly they had, you know, they 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 knew before they announced this on Monday for a while when when Guardians was going to be. So the rea- they just didn't. It's just like Captain America four. You know, whenever. How you know when where that falls because they saw Blade they have to have a product they have to have a date for things like that so it's I think it's safe the Fantastic Four appropriately will end Phase Four and then but so that to to me that was a that was one of the most exciting things it's interesting that Thor moved into the May slot when Doctor Strange has been in the May slot for two different years multiple times it originally was supposed to be in the May slot for this year. And then it was, and then I think originally it was, then then even after everything got pushed, I'm pretty sure for a while it was in the May slot for next year. But maybe because that movie's actually done filming now and Thor is just finishing, maybe they figure that they might as well have Doctor Strange, or they just have more confidence in Thor based on the popularity after Ragnarok and in Infinity War and Endgame that they they. But either way, uh, interesting though, Guardians of the Galaxy will be six years, almost six years to the day since the second one came out <laughs> since that was a 2017 release mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that that's that's kind of curious uh and the, the again the only other thing to me of interest in that trailer was we got to see interest with a very small eye was the eternals just because they showed almost nothing from it they showed little group shots and some shot of angelina jolie with a like an energy sword and again if you're pumped for the eternals 
then you, then people then you're then you would have drooled over that. If you're not pumped or you're in mi- middle of ground about it, I don't see how what we saw in that sizzle reel does anything for you because we saw nothing. <laughs> we saw nothing from it. Um, another thing to mention, sorry, obviously it's Sony. It's not necessarily Marvel, but Morbius was pushed back again. Pushed back to when again? I mean, I think like in the last couple, like, like last week or so. Yeah. When is it now? Uh, just a week later. Oh, okay, that's not that. That's not. January twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. Oh, the and what one interesting thing that, that you reminded me of just by talking. I believe because I I heard this that actually I think I heard it on Dan Merle's channel that he was talking about. It won't. It will. Will never come to pass. But temporarily, right now, I believe the Marvels and the Flash, the Ezra Miller movie, I think are scheduled to open on the same day. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because the Flash will move. <laughs> now, if it, now, mind you, the more I mean, ca- despite the fact it made a lot of money, ca- that if there's a property you wanted to take a shot at, even though I guess you can make the case Ant-Man and the Wasp because neither one, neither one of those movies has made tremendous money. But, yeah, the Flash will move. The Flash, will, I mean, DC will blink because because especially because Marvel announced this date for this movie, knowing that that movie was already scheduled for that day. So they have no, and they were really concerned about it. They would have picked a different day. So they, they are counting on the fact that, that, uh, <clears throat> the DC will blink, but I believe that's the day. I know there was one day that there was the conflict with the flash and I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it was the, the November 11th, 2022. Was the, <clears throat> was the last time a Marvel and DC movie were in the theaters together pretty darn closely was thor and green lantern uh i'm that far back no wasn't wasn't there something in the when when was bvs oh i don't remember was that 2017 there had to be something around bvs time march 25th 2016 2016 um when was civil war all right i'm just pulling it up here let's see I'm not saying you know, big movies would be like, looks like Zootopia, maybe. Yeah. Ten Cloverfield you. Lane, Divergent, Allegiance. Now we said what, 2016 was, yeah. was BBS? Let's see if I got March it. 2016. Civil War was May 6th, 2016, supposedly. So, and... Uh, April 2016. Oh, and what about, and ju- Justice League... When when was Justice League? Justice Justice League was 2017, wasn't it? Uh, March 18th. No, 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 never mind. That was BBS. Yeah. November 15th, 2017. And and Ragnarok. Ragnarok should have been fall. Should have been November of 2017 as well. Trying to see if I get get the release date. November 3rd, 2017. That's that's probably your close. That's probably your closest window, right there. Because I, I remember seeing Thor and Green Lantern so close together. Yeah, they, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, Thor was Thor was May. Thor was the first week in May, and Green Lantern was, I think, what the eleventh. Didn't they move it up to like the eleventh? Yeah, June eleventh. Yeah, so that was rel- that was relatively close, but yeah, but we'll see. Because you know, yeah, you know, you know, the, the uh, DC will have to blink. Yeah, they will, they will, they will, they will have to blink. So any other thoughts on the sizzle? No, not thought? really. I was cool here in um. It was cool hearing Stanley. Yeah. Talking about, you know, that guy over there, he's your brother, that girl right there is as your sister, that, that whole thing. That was kind of cool. I agree. So let's, let's go into the less than the, the, 
less than stellar, not the best use of language of all time by Kevin Feige, but it's it's a weird ass quote. Nine, which mind you, ninety percent of this quote is fine. It's just it's just the end of it that makes you just want to bang your head because it's so speaks volumes about where we are now. So this quote is about is related to and it's from an interview with Rolling Stone, in which he confirms what we kind of really already knew, which was that Doctor Strange was supposed to show up at the end of WandaVision. It was changed, changed enough where they had to rewrite WandaVision and rewrite part of uh, Multiverse of Madness. Since you have to explain these characters knowing each other or interacting when if you did it in a TV show, there already would be a stepping stone. So this is what Feige said. Some people might say, oh, it would have been so cool to see Doctor Strange, but it would have taken away from Wanda, which is what we didn't want to do. We didn't want the we didn't want the end of the show to be commoditized, which is a really weird word to go to the next movie. Here's the white guy. Let me show you how how the power works. So. The majority of that statement's fine. And, and that's where he should have just stopped. That if you don't want, because if you think, which there's a legitimate argument to be made, that if Wanda, you, if you, that Dr. Strange showed up, I would have overshadowed, overshadowed Wanda. Okay, that's fine. The whole idea that, oh, we didn't want, to, basically, we didn't want the white guy to show up. It's like, oh, God, here's the white guy coming to save the day. Really? I mean, really? Do you really think that's, and what's interesting about this, he's a smart guy, so like he can't really believe the the overwhelming majority, and we're talking like 90-plus percentile of MCU fans, where that thought would have even crossed their mind. It would have been Doctor Strange showing up because, A, he's Doctor Strange. B, magic is his thing. And C, we know they're going to be in, in his next movie together, so it would make sense for him to show up. The idea that you, that you had to throw that out there, oh, it's like the, the, the white savior trope. And that 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 he was really concerned with that. It's like, were people concerned when Tony Stark snapped his fingers? Is, is that how remember how all the fans reacted? Oh, there's that white guy saving us again. No, because it didn't happen. Or the three main Avengers taking on Thanos in Endgame. Thor, Captain America and Iron Man. Oh, it's got to be white guys, doesn't it? And of course, we all remember when Star Wars fans collectively lost their shit and complained because when Luke Skywalker came in the last episode of The Mandalorian, oh, anybody but the fucking white guy again. I don't understand. I'm trying. I've been thinking about this ever since I read this, like two days ago. I've been trying to understand wh- where he's coming from on this because because he cannot possibly believe that the like I said, I'm going to be conservative and say 95% of fans at least would not have even that thought would never have crossed their minds, regardless of what color you were, that the thought wouldn't have crossed your mind. So was he really that concerned about the what we talk about a lot, the vocal minority, you know, the, the, you know, the, the cancel culture, woke mob coming after them? Why? Because they didn't do it for Star Wars. They didn't do it for Tony Stark. And I know we're we're a lot further down the road than down a bad road than we were when Endgame came out on that level. And technically, Star Wars, you know, the Mandalorian hadn't been actually released yet when they were making these decisions to finalize. But still, it's like. I don't understand. I don't understand where that mindset comes from. Is that dictating how you're going to tell your stories? Because we can't have a we can't have the white guy. <laughs> you can't have the white guy be the savior, even if he's saving another white person. So even so, <laughs> I don't get it. The only thing I could think of was maybe he was more concerned with the culture inside his own studio, kind of how Lucasfilm supposedly has shifted a lot under Kathleen Kennedy. That where this you know the SJW stuff is so much more important than story at times. To, as in dictating which direction you're going to go. But that statement just seems so ridiculously stupid. 
and so cringeworthy no matter how, how, how you analyze it. It's like, why, why even go there? Even if you were thinking that at the time, why can't you just say after the fact now, yeah, we thought it would overshadow Wanda and, and there was plenty of time to introduce them or, or establish their interaction in the multiverse of madness. It just seems so ridiculous to me. But Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. The, the whole cancel culture thing has been a, a big talking point this week in the circles I run into. Um, I've, I've gotten into like watching Twitch and stuff like that. And, you know, there's gamers out there, but, uh, one of them, you know, some of the listener base, big names, you know, there's Valkyrie and Pokimane and corpse and all that stuff. But like, uh, one of them disguised toast, like he's a kind of person who's like very dry, very dark humor, that sort of stuff. And people were trying to cancel him and call him out for his, his statements and stuff made in the past or, calling him a, a racist or sexist or whatever, uh, even going so far as to saying he promotes uh, child pornography or, you know, uh, pedophilia in some way or some, something like that. Never mind the fact that this is a, this is a guy that the most recent scandal that his, uh, his uh, kind of, because for those of you who don't know, since content creation is such a huge thing, basically now in like LA and places like that, there are content creation houses now where like basically a bunch of people who are very popular on platforms like Twitch and YouTube and Facebook will get together and rent a house and become roommates. And then they'll all kind of collab together and, you know, stream and stuff like that because streamers keep weird hours. And so, you know, you don't want roommates who aren't streamed for whatever reason. Anyways, this content creation house, OTV, a few years ago kicked out a guy named Fed who was like going, uh, making girls feel very uncomfortable, let's say, without going into it. And they all kind of allowed that behavior to occur. And Toast was one of the ones who actively helped get this guy out of there, make a statement. You know, he was crying on stream because he was talking about like how he felt bad that the women in his house uh, or in his friend circle felt so uncomfortable uh, and that he didn't see it and he didn't take action sooner. And yet now cancel culture culture is coming after toast just because he's got a dry sense of humor. Like the the whole thing, I know that's like a total tangent, but like that cancel culture has been in my mind too this week because of that. Um, it's not a tangent. It's relevant. It's, it is. It is. It's just the the idea that we need to walk on eggshells at all times. Um, I don't know. The, 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 the comedians and, you know, are we going to start like some of these, a lot of the cancel culture stuff too, is like these 12 year olds who have Twitter accounts now who are, who are just thinking like, you know, that this is the way to deal with shit. This is not the way to deal with shit. Like, like go back and watch some fucking Richard Pryor stand up. <laughs> You're going to have a meltdown. <laughs> like some of that, some of that, some of that early man, the, the, those fucking, what was it? It's, it's like the end of the the seventies and like a big chunk of the eighties, right? That's when comedy really fucking blew up. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that stuff, man, go listen to early Robin Williams stuff. You guys are always posting on the anniversary of his death or these great things he said in his movies. Go watch some fucking early Robin Williams stand up and tell me you don't want to cancel Robin Williams too. Or Eddie Murphy. He's yeah. a classic. Exa- Eddie Murphy is a classic example. If you ever, if you ever watch Eddie Murphy raw or uh, uh, what the hell was the other one? Oh God. The first, the first one that he, that he did. 
But yeah, yeah, part part of the issue with cancel. Well, there's tons of issues with cancel. It's the yeah. idea, but it's also the group think to it. It's the fact that, and kind of you touched on that. You can agree with with group A 95% of the time. The one time you don't, you will be treated as if you disagree with them 99% of the time because they don't care. If there's no individual thought. There's no there's no freedom of expression. There's no free there's no freedom of speech it's like you have to think the way i think you have to talk the way i talk or else we will come after you and you know we're going straight into the shitter here i mean people and and if when people want to talk about you know fascism and things that you know what fascism really is and people need to look in the mirror sometimes and again like another thing we talk about a lot these days is the end justifying the means it's like lot, most people do sh- who do shitty things, do them in their mind for, 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 Oh, well, it's okay. Cause what we're doing is right. Well, you have to look in the mirror and that's not the way. And people should be able to disagree with you without being called a fucking Nazi or a fascist or a sexist racist, yeah. anything, just because you have a different opinion on, on any, basically on, on any topic, your, your go-to retort shouldn't be, Oh, that's what you are. You, know, you can only think this way if you're this. So, so you have to be this, which means, again, you're subhuman, which means I don't have to respect your opinion and I can treat you any way I want to and blacklist you and you have no platform to talk and blah, 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 blah. And that doesn't mean some people don't push the envelope, but that because there's always limit to free speech, period. But the reality yeah. is unpop. The reason we have free speech is because of unpopular speech. Popular yeah. speech never needs to be protected. We have it to protect unpopular speech. Yeah. The only stuff, guys, that I block outright is something that I believe is fully toxic. Like I'm a hundred percent against what they're like uh, the, the, the whole comic skate stuff. I've read a lot. I've interacted with a lot of those people. I've tried to understand their point of view. Um, but a hundred percent I'm against comic skate. That is a, that is a group of people that I don't want to associate. I don't want to see in my timeline. I don't want to see how they treat others. I don't want to be sucked into their world and give them any sort of platform or attention in any sort of way. Same thing with the fucking uh, Snyder Cut stuff. The Snyder Cut and release the Snyderverse. We've already had a whole episode on it, so I won't dig into it. But suffice it to say, at this point, we're at the point now where people are just pissed because WB isn't making exactly the content they want to see. And only that. And now they're shutting down other people, canceling other people, getting pissed at other people, attacking other people, being toxic towards those people because they're not getting what they want. So I'd block it. And I don't want to see it anymore because all it does is piss me off. (laughs) And I know, I know that if I engage with these people and even try to make a rational argument to make them like, hey, guys, here's how I see what you're doing. It does not matter. I could be nice. I could write paragraphs. It does not matter to these people. No. So all it's going to do is make me angry and upset my day. So fuck it. I'm just not going to have it, allow it in my timeline. That's what it's going to happen. I'm not going to sit here and say it's 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 the whole it's it's religion. It's 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 religion and uh, religion versus politics in a way. It's okay. My politics. Politics allows you to practice your religion in in your home. Your religion doesn't allow you to tell me what to do. That's when we have a problem. 
same thing. If you believe that this person should be canceled for A, B, C, D because they did something that offended you, it's not up to to you to tell somebody else how to behave and live. You can, if you want to point out something and be like, hey, you know, uh, I'm not cutting this person out of my life or anything, but you did say this. Hey, man, I enjoy your content. It, it could be conceived in a certain way. Um, it really hit me wrong. I don't know. Then, okay, great. You've said your piece. You don't have to go on a war path. You don't have to create a hashtag and a movement and all this shit to get this person kicked off whatever platform they're on. And guess what? If they get that feedback from you, great. You have done your part. I would say it's up to you if you really even want to go that far. But if you do go that far and you send a, a, a carefully worded message or whatever saying, hey, man, this might hit some people the wrong way, hit me the wrong way. Here's why. Just thought I'd let you know. If they continue to make that sort of content, guess what? You don't have to fucking consume it. Yeah. You have the right, as the saying goes, you have the right to be offended. I also have the right not to give a fuck that you're offended. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's what that's what that's what it comes down. That's what it comes down to. I mean, so like the like when when some I forget what the hell it was when oh it was it was back when there were one of the things about when they were pushing to get the Redskins name changed before you know cancel culture finally forced because of the money thing over the summer after the George Floyd stuff that some somebody actually made the argument well if one person is is offended isn't that enough and it's like no because you're gonna have one person if you have a hundred people in the room you could have one. For, person offended that you're wearing a fucking red shirt does that mean you shouldn't be allowed to wear a red shirt no it's it, at the end of the day sometimes it comes down to like the wit the wit and wisdom of dirty harry when it like when and one of the famous best dirty harry lines was opinions are like assholes everybody has one <laughs> now having an informed opinion helps and you made me think of going on your snyder thing that this week, there was a lot of that. We had the, you know, but which we, we'll talk about then probably in the next episode about the Guy Gardner casting for the show. But you had people going, oh, oh, yeah, they, they picked they picked him over John Stewart. They can't get John Stewart. And then they had someone about, you know, the Snyder footage of that, the leaked of the, you know, the stupid John Stewart cameo, which he knew was never going to make it into the movie. But he shot it anyway because it's Zack Snyder that, oh, that they wouldn't they wouldn't allow him to put that in the movie because they they couldn't. They, DC or WB doesn't want to have another strong black superhero because they already have Cyborg. It's like, you know why they didn't they John Stewart? Well, you know why Guy Gardner's in the TV show and John Stewart's not? Because they have fucking plans for a movie with John Stewart. It's the same way how Jordan's not in the TV show. You want to know why WB was gonna, wasn't going to let him do the John Stewart thing? Because they had no intentions of I've, they have plans for a Green Lantern movie. He was casting a friggin' unknown guy in a role they have plans for down the road. You know, he, they, WB didn't cast that actor. Zack Snyder did. And they're having a director who they have no intention of having make any more movies in his universe. Why would they want to tie their future with this character to that guy? That's the reason why. And if people had paid attention to things that were out there, they, none of this would be a surprise. Know about the TV show and the movie coming. But people always have to react. Oh, it's, it's race. It's race. Oh, it's John Stewart. And they're screwing John Stewart. It's, oh, it's like, give me a fucking and that, break. And that actually also highlights the other problem with social media. Social media can be a great tool. I mean, guys, some a lot of the interviews you've heard on this podcast, a lot of the interviews I've done on other podcasts, hell, our collaboration with other podcasts, whether Mark was on a show or I was on a show or we did crossovers like JL May, so many cool things come out of social media and the connection it can bring. 
not just the networking, but also work, you know, reuniting with family that maybe lives across the country that you're not going to send a text or phone call to, but Hey, you'll see what's happening in their life when it shows up on your timeline. That's real cool. I don't have to point out the advantages of social media to you people, but the other side of the coin with social media is viral stuff. When something goes viral, when something gets retweeted a lot or shows up in your feed because somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and somebody else retweeted or shared or whatever, that stuff gets more in your face and you haven't been paying attention to the subject matter as a whole that led up to that. So example, the Guy Gardner stuff. We follow everything Green Lantern. Duh. We are the Lantern cast. But we know about the development, the announcement of the show, who was going to be, uh, what characters were going to be a part of the show, the span, the idea that it's supposed to span decades, blah, blah, blah. The rest of the public doesn't know all that. All they saw was this guy cast as Green Lantern. And for a lot of those people, I bet that's the first time they ever even heard that HBO Max was going to have a Green Lantern show. <laughs> so they don't know the context of it. And to go back to what I was talking about with the whole toast thing, when that went viral this this past week or the past five or so days when that went viral people who wanted to cancel him got it all over twitter and all over the various social media he then had to respond everybody tweeted it and retweeted it and stuff now all of a sudden you have a specific instance out there of this guy's supposed toxicity and it has all been boiled down into this one one article, one list of, of, of issues that this person has with this, this content creator. So if you want to find why is Disguise Toast being canceled, you can find a breakdown of all this stuff and you can find clips. And for a lot of those people who suddenly hear about Disguise Toast or whatever, they'll click on that. They'll watch that specific collection of a minute or two or whatever clips and go, yeah, I don't agree with what he said there. And that's the only exposure to disguise toast they'll ever have. Meanwhile, myself, who enjoys watching uh, gameplay for games like Among Us, got introduced to disguise toast and Valkyrie and Pokimane and Corpse and Saikuno and all these people who then collab together and play the games together. You get to know their humor, their sense of personality, uh, the close friendships and ties some of them have, or the not so close friendships and ties they have with some others the groups that form within their overarching group. And then you get to know, because of that, you're like, oh, I like this person. Like I now follow Valkyrie and Saikuno and Corpse and Leslie and Sydney. Like all of these people on these various platforms, I get to know their personalities. And then when Dis the, the internet comes after Disguised Toast, Toast isn't really concerned about himself. He's just concerned that people are trying to cancel his, not only cancel him, they're trying to cancel his friends who are supporting him because they should disassociate from him because of all this. And it's just like I the the, the cancel culture is one thing, but it's also it's it's kind of like a, a, a an expanding of the microcosm of the idea that when something comes out, people all that people do read, these days is read the fucking headline and not the article, and they lose their shit about the headline. And it turns out if they actually read what they're reposting, they might have said something different. Same thing. Like they, the internet blows up about some bullshit. And then all they ever do, because that's the drug of the moment, you can then find the specific speck of this person's entire. We're, guys, some of these streamers stream for like seven hours a day. 
Can you imagine finding a two-minute clip from one person a month ago and then another two-minute clip from their stream a week ago? And then all of a sudden you've got like a 10, 15-minute reel of all the stuff that bugged you that they've ever said. And that's the only thing you ever see of that person's content. And you're going to lose your shit and try to cancel them because of that. I don't know. I think, I think things like a man is judged by the company he keeps applies to things like cancel culture. Like what I was talking about with disguised toast. I got to know him because of watching what he does. Now I don't idolize these people. These people aren't fucking celebrities that I'm going to like lose my shit over. If I see him at TwitchCon or some shit like that, they are just regular people. The idea that you idolize some of these, that some people out there idolize some of these people is also very toxic. You don't get obsessed with these people. They're just people. They play video games and some of them are funny and they know how to market themselves. That's really all they are. But the idea, the idea that, (laughs) that they have to apologize for who they are. And then I got to know, because I got to know Tosa, then I got to know Leslie. Like I know all these people and he has so many good people, like good people. And I'm not just saying that because I'm fans of their content. These are good people saying, guys, Toast is not like this. And I stand by this person and this person's backing up. Like a man is judged by the company he keeps. People don't seem to think that's a thing anymore. The whole, the, the, the difference between uh, that we have in our culture now a big part of American culture is supposed to supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, but that doesn't matter in the eyes of the of the public because now we have this idea of believe the victim. And I don't want to go down that road. I do believe that we should we should try and support people who are victims of things, especially like sexual assault and things like that. Don't ever try to undermine someone's experience, especially if it was so you know, deeply personal and hurtful for them. Obviously you want to support that person in the pain that they're feeling and try and be there for them and stuff. But, but the idea of things like uh, innocent until proven guilty versus things like uh, believe the victim tend to butt up against one another and nobody out there knows how to deal with it. And so you get things like cancel culture and it's just like you, I, I get rid of, intentionally toxic people who are a hundred percent toxic. You don't need to cancel people because their style of humor or their ideas are different from you. It just drives me insane. And the fact that so many of you guys have so much fucking time on your hands that you're going to go find. Cause I, like I said about toast and they stream like these streamers stream for hours and hours and hours a day. Every week is insane to me. And you're going to go f- because you got so offended about one thing, you're going to go hunt down through this person's career and build a reel of things that we got, you know, guys, we've been on the air for 12 years. We, this, what was, what, what episode was this? 435. 435 of the numbered episodes. And each episode is let's say average hour and a half because we have longer episodes or we have shorter episodes. Usually they're around an hour, 15 hour, 30, something like that. But like the idea that you're going to go through the 12 years and 400 plus episodes to find a reel of 15 minutes worth of stuff that you didn't like that we said and said, all of a sudden the entire lantern cast should be shut down because of ABCD. Like, doesn't that sound just insane? Well, it is that time. 
it is insane, but people people like that don't care because they because they they either they get they're wrapped up in the power of being able to do it, or yeah. again it's the my way or the highway. It's like, well, I don't really you don't think like I do, so that means I don't want to listen to you. Which of course, if we keep insulating ourselves that we never listen to somebody else's point of view, then we're not going to grow. It's not going to help us at all if we have a bunch of sycophants who just repeat what we want to hear all the time. But it's the idea that oh, you say I don't like what you have. But you have to say, so because of that, I'm perfectly justified in doing anything I have to do to make sure that I bring you down and you don't have that platform because what you said offend, offends me or it's narrow minded or it's archaic or however they want to justify it. It's just a lot. of It's just a lot of bullshit. It's, it really is. And and again, if, if you believe if you really believe in what the you know what this country was founded on, what the principles, you know, what this country was supposed to be. To, to, not just what it was, not just but what was written, what it was supposed to be, the ideals behind it, that you should always be more of the idea that I disagree with everything you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. A hundred percent. And we've completely moved away from that where it's like, oh, you, you disagree. You, you disagree with me on this issue. You like this person. I don't. Or I like this person. You don't. That means uh, that's it. I mean, that it, you shouldn't even be able to. You're, you're you're a hater, you know, you're, you're a racist, sexist, include whatever, you know, a Neanderthal, whatever insult you want to, you know, which again, it's, it's, but either way, let's be more tolerant of each other people, for God's sake. <laughs> 100%. All right. So uh, let me actually look at the schedule. What is, we have no idea what's next. Well, no, I don't mean, I don't mean in terms of in terms of us uh, or in terms of us specifically is like next week is far sector coming. No, it's not. That, no, in far sector, we have like another month. question. <clears throat> it's June, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I read this week um, crime syndicate number three. There's information in there about how the Emerald Knights and the core that makes up the Emerald Knights. And then the, I forget the name that they used in that series. That basically means guardians. But uh, they're they're going down lantern related routes in in Crime Syndicate, and the fact that issue four has a variant cover that is all Emerald Knight, and that issue three that I read this week is so heavily giving us more backstory on it, I think we might want to at least talk. We don't necessarily have to recap, but we might want we might want to talk on air about Crime Syndicate. Um, Guys, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen. At the very least, what I want to tell you guys by bringing that up is that pay attention to Crime Syndicate if you're just looking for Lantern content. Um, The other thing I'll also mention is that next week, the 12th, while there are no Lantern books coming out, the Justice League Last Ride comic comes out, and the cover of that features the Trinity. But behind Superman, in the far background... Behind even the title logo for Justice League Last Ride is a planet, and that planet is Mogo. So in terms of Green Lantern content out there, you guys might want to uh, start paying attention to Justice League Last Ride as well as um, Crime Syndicate. I have been reading Justice League that's supposed to have Naomi and it's supposed to have like uh, Black Adam and all that stuff on it. Thus far, there's no Lantern stuff in there. Um, so I don't think anybody needs to pay attention really intently to that. It just seems like crime syndicate justice league last ride 
Far Sector, which will only be the final issue, and then just Green Lantern from Jeffrey Thorne thus far are the only things that are currently being published that people need to pay attention to. So at this rate, the show will be over. This show will be done by the end of the year. <laughs> oh, hell no. We have 80 years of content to cover. Uh, not to mention, hey, you know, you mentioned it. We don't have to go into it, but like Guy Gardner was cast. We talked a little bit that there was a Guy Gardner series. Why don't we just start covering some of the Guy Gardner stuff? Yeah, we could we could do some of that. Yeah, we sh- we should whatever we're going to do. We should pick some one of the one of the things we've been kicking around and just and start doing a bunch of issues and. Even if it's like one episode a month, even if it's like the answer, (laughs) what you don't want to say that you're going to be upset with the answer. Why? Laura Fleece? No, we've been saying, and it's been on the schedule that we need to do a dark multiverse. Oh, I don't consider the dark dark because I I don't consider that because number one, it's not, they're not, they're not even lantern related stories really for the most part. I mean, I've, I've, I've got, I've got the album art ready to go, buddy. Yeah, I know, but I I I never wanted to do all of these in wave two. We only got suckered. I got suckered into accepting it because we ended up doing way all of the ones in wave one, but that was mostly because the stories were interesting. These stories in, in, in wave two were for the most part not nearly as interesting. Uh, I'm not a. I will consider that we could do it because again, I had the I had the issue other than hush. That's the one I never got, and at the time I know you didn't have it. You may have it now, but that's yeah, the, I do. Yeah, that's the that's the only one. But the reality is, yeah, it's yeah, we 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 could consider it. I I really don't have much, a great desire. And you know, I mean, I think Flashpoint was the only one I liked. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a possibility, or at least some of them. I'm not against doing some of them. I, I my issue is I really don't know if I want to do all of them. So if it has to be either all or nothing, I I probably would lean towards nothing. But if we can maybe pick one or two. And then, and then maybe if we have to revisit the other ones down the road, maybe I don't know if I don't think people were clamoring for for us to do those anyway because it's well, regardless, guys. Even though we're speculating, we don't specifically know what's next. So, Mark, if they want to reach out to us, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, hashtag geocast to track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So please leave us a positive review on any of the platforms you listen to us on. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys, before we go, head on over to your social medias. We got Twitter. Go to Twitter. If you got Instagram, go to Instagram. If you have a DC Universe Infinite account, head on over there. Though The reason I mentioned those, those are the three spots that the DC Round Robin is taking place. That is the... Uh, poll basically that is pitting a bunch of six issue mini potential six issue minis against each other and the final one standing gets actually made now that doesn't mean the other stuff won't get made eventually at some point in some way shape or form but they the 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 grand poobah of that bracket system will be priority number uno for i believe summer release or something like that uh, for at least issue one of the six issue mini that comes out as of today, as we record this May 5th, the, uh, the green lantern has green lanterns series underworld on fire, which features Kyle Rayner and Kilowog is going up against Robins. It's a bat book. So good luck. But some of you guys didn't even know green lantern was still in the running. 
because it is being pulled on three platforms, even though Green Lanterns looked like it was behind big time between Zatanna and it last time, you got to consider that the votes are t- taken to from all three spots and then brought together before they decide what moves on. Once that was tallied, Green Lanterns was actually head of Z- Zatanna. So if you have an Instagram, head on over to Instagram, find DC, find the poll. It's usually in their stories. Go vote on that poll for Green Lanterns. Go find the poll for DC Comics over on their Twitter. Vote for Green Lantern over Robins. Uh, or if you have a DC Universe Infinite account, uh, I, I don't. But if you do, head on over there. I'm sure it should be relatively easy to find with whatever aspects of social media are present over there. The more votes we get, the better. Obviously, you know, it doesn't seem like we're going to win against the Bat Book, but you never know. Uh, in my mind at this point, I'm not even fighting for Green Lanterns. Uh, as I mean, I, I want to see this specific story, obviously. I just want to see something other than Batman at this point. Give me more DC. I don't care about the Gotham corner. And for the record, guys, I freaking love Tim Drake. He's my favorite Robin. So seeing him in a book, yeah, that would excite me. But I'm done with Gotham. Give me something else. And this, uh, hell, if you're going to pick a Green Lanterns thing and it's got Kyle Rayner featured in it, hell yeah, let's do it. So uh, I think I've given you all the information on the the poll I can. Uh, it should be going as of this episode coming out. I'm clicking on it right now. As of May 5th, there are six days left for this uh, this poll before this poll ends. Right now, Robbins is ahead by 50 is 54.9% versus 45.1%. And that's only Twitter. So vote in every place if you can. And this is the second to last bracket, by the way. Green Lanterns is going against Robbins. Uh, Blue Beetle Graduation Day is going up against Suicide Squad 7. Um, the, the final four. It would have been so much easier on the other side of the bracket. <laughs> Probably. It would have been interesting if it was Blue Beetle versus Green Lanterns since they're supposedly rivals. Yeah, it would have it would have been it would have been nice. It's the reach are enemies, right? Yeah, I think that Blue Beetle's armor freak the hell out anytime he's around a Green Lantern. I think so. Plus, we know what the reach did to the poor blues. Yeah. Bastards. All right. Sorry for the tangent, but it is relevant because. I mean, hell, we might as well use our... It, it's, is it unlikely we'll win against the Bat Book, considering how popular Batman is? Probably. But we have a platform. We'll use it. Go vote for Green Lanterns if you can. <laughs> like a general election. Vote early and often. <laughs> <laughs> Create new Twitter accounts. Vote from those. Create... <laughs> <laughs> vote, vote, for your, vote for your dead uncle. He'd want you to vote that way. <laughs> oh, my God. Election fraud. (laughs) Uh, Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night, everybody, indeed. Good night.